Welcome to Artformance Podcast. Welcome back to the Artformance Podcast. We're going to discuss the big picture of training in this episode, which we'll, I think we have to explain it first. And what do we mean by the big picture? Like, very simple explanation would be to look beyond one training session or and or the weekly amount of sessions planning yeah. months maybe years which as an artist might be very very hard because you yeah. don't know what kind of yeah. situation you're it's in like, yeah so how big are we talking about it's like it, you can mean the career or you can mean the training year or you can mean the training month but anyway the point is to kind of go for these kind of accumulating effects of training so that you don't need to train everything all at once and you can kind of prioritize so that the training sessions itself can be a bit more focused and a bit you know, in a sense you get more freedom if you have a, a long-term plan that uh, is uh, yeah, yeah yeah and and what is the context in this like who who's training I'm guessing professional artists, um, athletes performing on a on a high level, people who are very serious about their their practice, but not necessarily professionals. Yeah, there's like yeah. The, I think there's everyone. There's, yeah, I think <coughs> that is the context. I think th- yeah. I think our context is pretty much yeah all of these. Uh, but I'm also guessing that we're gonna be talking mostly about people who are doing physically demanding disciplines that are mostly skill-based, in mm-hmm. a sense that you're not a com- competitive uh, st- strength athlete or a power athlete or or an endurance athlete. Uh, I mean, the same principles apply, but it should look totally different in those cases. But we're talking now about uh, disciplines that have a huge skill component to them and possibly some uh, creative aspects as well. But mostly that they're physically demanding skill things. This sounds like the great principle conversation. Ah, It could be. Could be, could be. Uh, But I want to point out that there is like... I think there's a big crowd of people who are not professional, but they they might perf- perform, but they might have a day job on the side, or they do 50-50, they have performing, and they do something that's not related mm-hmm. to any kind of art. And I, I think it's it's a curious combination, because you have to be kind of like very co- concise or very like on point with your training with with l- less time resources but maybe more monetary stability to back it up so you can hire coaches you can take days off yeah yeah for sure i i feel like i know a lot of hand to hand acrobats or climbers or dancers who whose how to put it the performance level is par to the professional athletes or very close to that however they maybe don't identify job wise through that but maybe maybe in in other other parts of life does it make sense like they climb a lot 
it's not their job like it's it's not this is what you're saying right yeah and there's also like yeah. the i think the more common combination would be to teach and perform like you teach your discipline you teach various yeah. disciplines like many many different dance styles or circus disciplines you are you're proficient in or you know yeah the, true. how to teach true, true. You, because you don't but have to be yourself proficient to be able to teach it well yeah just but, the point but they out. are kind of yeah true that's also quite common but they're uh different situation because because the one where you have a day job that's something totally different and then you are very serious with this kind of hobby that you're doing almost at a professional level but not professional in a sense that you'll make your living out of it uh, it is important for the individual but the stakes are not that high whereas if you are making your living out of performing or you have to teach the same thing then your livelihood is tied to that one thing and in in a sense the stakes are higher mm-hmm. in that situation yeah yeah it's how to put it it's it's interesting though because it was mentioned already that maybe these these, these people who have another daytime job and then there's a very serious hobby they kind of like have less or more limited time or for one reason or or for another you you don't have that much time and you want to be kind of like well efficient with your training however if you are say a professional artist and that's that's how you pay your rent it's my my very strong experience is that a, a lot of time is put to like all things production like you have to send shitloads of email you have to i don't know take pictures contact people uh promote pr- promote yeah, like exactly. do, yeah. do do some kind of planning work maybe study something while you're at it so it doesn't get any better <laughs> if you're like <laughs> like so full-on professional either a freelancer or an entrepreneur or yeah, yeah. Yeah, all of writing grant applications, <laughs> the most important skill for a freelancer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Funny but Funny true. But true. <laughs> yep. But but this, so the idea of big picture training for skill-based artists, athletes or or slash only athletes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh if we look at look at the year, like I think it's it's easier to start from from a broader than come down to, than from a single training right yeah because the logic is yeah more clear that way yeah. and that kind of dictates uh what the yeah what to prioritize in the smaller picture yep and and like mm-hmm. um when we look at the year i think if you're a professional <laughs> artist is the year where we start or is it the career or is the it life? the career right oh, yeah <laughs> true uh, we could go yeah we could uh, go for a ca- i want to start with the career because this one we can kind of <laughs> go over quite quickly because you know if you've listened to the previous episodes you know what you know what is currently known about the path of an artist or the path of an athlete and all of it is pointing in the direction of be versatile in the beginning and 
and try to be in a sense kind of a generalist mindset in the beginning and specialize as late as you can and even as you specialize keep training other things on the side and keep trying new things it doesn't take away from the thing you're specializing in it actually makes it even better so uh, in that sense uh the start of the career focus more on very unspecific things train everything that interests you and try some things that don't interest you and if they start to become interesting then keep at them and if not then find other things that interest you and just accumulate different experiences and different skill sets and and focus on you know training how learning how to train and uh, the kind of uh, foundational physical attributes and basic motor skills and you know stuff like that yeah i'm just thinking like of course we are talking about these things on the broadest possible level and hopefully based on science yes but if if I take this kind of an anecdotal point here, all, all of us three have, have performed and received money from the performing job, right? Yep. Yep. And, and I don't know, I, I think I never actually thought of this before, but am I like completely out of line here saying that the things that we performed in were not necessarily like like a specialization skill i i worked in a contemporary circus company and i think my biggest skill set there was to say yeah i think i can do it i i have never been like particularly good in any one discipline but kind of like ready mm-hmm. to do a lot of stuff with the mediocre level on a mediocre level at best but you performed with henry you performed that with with silks or rope, but that yeah, I, I, I with kind silks of and then duo silks. Yeah. So, but I kind of see you a, a lot more as, as as a parkour athlete background wise. Yeah, is which true? is also how I see myself, and without going too deeply in it, uh, even though I don't really do parkour that much anymore, that's basically the only discipline that I kind of see as. Uh, part of my identity i mean I'm, mm-hmm. i kind of see myself as a traceur but that goes into kind of the you know the somewhat pretentious sounding philosophy of the early practices mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. that well whatever uh, let's not go there but, but yeah you are you are correct yeah it's your identity i have i have yeah yeah i've performed mostly as an aerialist yeah, or uh, you know, duo silks, or yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. curious. But how about your performances at? The, I'm not sure if I actually know what you did, but it was at the city theater of Jyväskylä, yes. right? Uh, so <clears throat> I have, like like Henry mentioned in the previous episode, we have you started when you were young adult, so you you didn't go to yeah, circus school 20. when you were four. Yeah, twenty young adult. <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah. yes confirmed <clears throat> but so i think i shifted towards arts maybe in my late teen years like i, I was doing pra- very traditional playing basketball i did very short amount of gymnastics when i was a kid and 
then going to Capoeira and stuff like this. Capoeira you perform for free. Then I got into a dance theater here in Uvascula. And uh, well, you don't get paid. That was more like as a hobby. But then I also got a job at the city theater as a dancer. I think that was my title, dancer assisting actor, something like this. And then I also performed, but like, like I, I'm trying to think like, what was the discipline? I think that I, it was a dancer at that point, but mm-hmm. then, but then it's, there's also like, I performed like in this entertainment wise, like events where you have to juggle a bit, where you have to do a bit of pair acrobatics. It's nice if you can do something mm-hmm. like close magic. Like we had one guy who could do this in the group like this. I will make your ring disappear or yeah yeah close up magic close up magic exactly and and then yeah and you could if you could juggle fire it would be nice and like you could like you just picked up stuff that you know you would would sell mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Basic, yeah. basically okay i'm just saying it out loud it, yeah, yeah. yes good production skills good, that, good <laughs> very production good skills. sometimes you need this kind of yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was also fun to train and like yeah so but i think I then I also had a grant period where I, I was like I also I actually got money from from a grant and I think some would say being an artist like that's like some artists that when they get the grant it's like <clears throat> validation now I'm an artist I, I I felt like this like okay yeah well at at least the the um, the organization that that gave you the grant thought this is a professional artist Atenitikangas. let's give him some money yes perfect perfect <laughs> yeah okay okay but anyways so, my, my, so, my point being like our yeah. paths yes as as artists kind of like go along with with this yeah yeah I, I, non-specialization yes so I, i would at the moment i train mostly pair acrobatics contact improvisation or something like contact related acrobatics And I, I I've been interested about it for a long, long time, but I seldom performed with that interest. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. It, it, it could fit in some small parts, but I would not perform like this is a whole show of me showing yeah, yeah, of pair yeah. acrobatics. Yeah. But okay, but I'm I'm sorry I I diverted this like way out of line because we there there will be. Uh, uh the big discussion about schools yeah so that that would be another yeah. another episode now we're talking about the big picture and i want to take it to the lifetime so oh, you yes want yes career after career is the lifetime yes. or career is part of the lifetime <laughs> yeah <laughs> hopefully the life after and before your career no <laughs> no of course like work work life has shifted yeah, and yeah, we're yeah. not gonna do an episode about work life changes which would be boring <laughs> but but like yeah. like as a physiotherapist i think having the every point egg in the same basket yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, as a physiotherapist i think like the lifetime perspective is always like in the background with everybody i work with like i'm first thinking like if I, or i'm weighing a risk of performing with an injury or or that you would have to do this intense residency and then a show period and stuff like this like will this affect your rest of your life is there a risk that you would get injured so bad that you will have pain or you could not you would this would end your career or or stuff like this and like i would like to think like 
in the ideal world, every artist finishes their career and goes on with their life with a healthy body. Is it possible? Well, not always. There's like, would it, could it be possible for more artists? Definitely. I think that's what one thing why we're doing a podcast about this. But like, I think the lifetime is like, lifetime aspect is also good to have. And like a lot of the things you train during your active performing arts years will give you also a huge benefit in the rest of your life. You will build up structures and you will, you will have these satellite cells in English. Stuff like this, you could like yeah, if you if you let's not nerd about that let, too let, much. Let's go there, but like having having done physical some acting, changes are permanent. Yes, in a sense, perfect. Yeah, that's Kinda. how that's the level we're gonna go with it. <laughs> so so you will benefit from them, like like having having done physical arts in your teen, young adult, old adult years, you will benefit probably from it. Actually, I think we are gonna nerd about it, but that's gonna be later. Good, <laughs> good to know. So, are we now done with career? And this, so, we, if we dive into the career and we try to divide it into the years, or yeah, yeah, but I kind of yeah, I wanted to go career first before talking about training years because this will also give the context of how the different things are kind of weighed in the beginning of the career versus yeah, later true, true, true. so years, also the training years will look different in a yeah. sense that in the beginning it's gonna be mostly uh, a huge emphasis is gonna be on a foundational somewhat general skills and later the focus is somewhat gonna be more in the specific things that you either want to train or need to for for work or whatever your reason is um uh, but uh generally um again to mention the sports world for a moment uh planning training years is kind of super clear with sports or disciplines where there's a a brief competition period that's always at the same time of year and lasts for not too long so stuff like I don't know, track and field would be a, mm -hmm. uh, quite an easy example. And then there are the just as clear but way more difficult examples of uh, sports or disciplines where the competition period is, again, regular but super long and the off-season is super short. Uh, stuff like an ice hockey. Uh, and uh, when we are talking about performing artists or or this kind of field, you don't really have the regular schedule and the years are not the same and uh, you might might need to change it up uh, very quickly on a, on a super short notice. So... Uh, you can't really build them just like the athletes do, but getting the general logic of uh, of why the athletes are organizing their trainings as they are whenever there's a chance, uh, that has some huge benefits. 
And now I'm I'm gonna be talking about different periodization models and and just to kind of define the term uh, periodization itself refers to uh, the planning of training in a broader time frame like month to month or within a year whereas programming is the thing that talks about how the weeks are organized or what what the exercise selection within the training sessions are or how that is organized so you know periodization is the bigger picture programming is the smaller one and uh yeah you um well hope hopefully this doesn't cut your flow really badly but i just thought like explaining this if if there are listeners who don't work in performing arts or don't have like first hand experience of that compared to for example this this kind of an ice hockey player who has the the game season of i don't know how many 7 to 9 months and mm. then there's like Three to five months off season, depending how many how many games you want. Depending on the how good you are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But then, performing arts professional probably would work from project to project in a way. So, yeah. if you're, for example, working a company, which is not so common nowadays anymore, then mm. you might know that in March and April. You will have a training season and then two weeks of performances, right? Mm. And then after that, you might have like two months when you're supposed to teach, then maybe a short holiday if you have money, so no. And then maybe you get the grant or you go and take someone else's role on a very short notice. There are 10 performances starting next week. Can you come? We know it's a little bit out of your comfort zone. Can you do it? This kind of thing. So in a way, there's possible to know things, mm -hmm. how they go in advance, yeah. or at least like how many performances are coming roughly. But then like planning a year according to the seasons, not possible, really. Yeah. Yeah, and that's... Uh reality that must be accepted and all the periodization plans or programming schemes that we make after that they need to be able to account for that there needs to be flexibility and so in a sense the periodization plan itself should kind of provide broad guidelines of what to prioritize and when mm -hmm. and uh and yeah, uh, I stopped to think about <laughs> what I should say about different periodization models. I think I'm not going to say too much. I'm just going to say there are so many, but uh, a version of block periodization that draws elements from daily undulating or mixed session periodization is... Uh, the one that I favor the most and for most people I recommend that uh, as the one to go with and and to kind of summarize what block periodization itself uh, is about uh, it uh, takes the time that you have for training like two months three months a year and then it divides that into blocks or phases which can last for like three to 
eight weeks or so. And then first it assigns the kind of uh, title to all of those phases in a sense that what is the main priority? It's like the foundation laying phase or the sports specific phase. Uh, if you look at the research, uh, the terms they use is that the first one is usually called accumulation phase. So you accumulate stuff and then the next is transmutation phase so that you can take the accumulated stuff and then allow it to transmutate or transform into the more specific form so mm -hmm. you get more out of it and then the last one is the realization phase so you enjoy the effects of all that stuff stuff that has accumulated and then transmutated into what you wanted to transmutate to so yeah so from accumulation transmutation realization then again to accumulation but now it will look different because the elements that you focused on before have kind of been taken care of or they are at a higher level mm -hmm. but anyway the the point of this is that you have one main focus maybe one or two side focus things and then everything else is at a minimal effort maintenance mode uh, not to mean that they are completely absent but they're at a minimal uh, maintenance level and usually this looks like uh, uh, like usually the first accumulation phase that I design when a new person comes to me well first of I check at where they are with their performance and how strong and what's the endurance level and stuff like that uh, I usually don't need to test it I can usually just you know talk about it with them uh, but usually it starts from from the point where the main focus is the structural elements related to, you know, uh, staying strong and getting stronger and staying healthy and, and injury-free. So it's the resilience of the tendons and the force production capacity of the muscles and then the force transmission capacity of the connective tissue and, and some general uh, movement patterns related to high forces and and stuff like that is the first main focus. And as that is the main focus, a couple of the strength sessions of the week will focus mostly on that. And then the side focus and the maintenance stuff, that will come from uh, what their discipline is or what the goal for this kind of block is. Mm -hmm. Like if they're an, a floor acrobat or a gymnast, then it probably has something to do with power or jumping. And if they're an aerialist or or something, then it probably has to do with some element behind flexibility. And if they're, I don't know, an endurance athlete, then, you know, different stuff, probably some, you know, cardio. Yeah. But anyway, so that's the main focus. And then the side focus is the second most important thing. And then everything else is at a maintenance mode, which means that uh, have some elements present during the week or every other week or stuff like that so that you don't completely lose touch with them. But also you don't really need to train them that much. And we actually know what uh, physical attributes 
we actually know what the minimal maintenance dose for different physical attributes is. We know how little you need to do strength or how little you need to do power work or uh, and we're beginning to also know from research how little you can do skill work. Uh, but anyway, going for to the next phase, uh, the main focus will change. And if it was the foundational elements of structural realities before, now it will be uh, what your nervous system can take out of that, uh, you know, accumulated uh, structural capacity. So uh, it goes into slightly more sport-specific movement patterns, but uh, strength is probably also quite you know, high in priorities and it will uh, bias different adaptations regarding strength. So more neural stuff. <sighs> or the one that was side focused before can become main focus. So, you know, power or flexibility or whatever. And then in the next phase, the realization phase, this is the most specific one. Uh, here, the skill stuff of the main discipline will become the main focus and then all the strength stuff will be super specific to that. So your goal is to get what you have accumulated and apply it there or to kind of teach your body what the new reality regarding your capacity is. And this is the phase that if you have done the previous ones, in a smart and consistent way, uh, this is the one that will uh, allow you to unlock new tricks because now you are strong enough to do them or strong enough to train them more safely. And, and this is kind of a simplified version of this process. Uh, when I decide, design these, I usually have uh, phases that combine the elements of two different like I have accumulation phase that has elements of transmutation and then the next one is transmutation that still has elements of accumulation phase and then there's a realization that's biasing you know the transmutation phase stuff and then there's the sport specific moment but the point of this is that uh, if you properly prioritize what you are training as a main focus, you can actually get a properly, you know, an amount of training that actually brings you gains in that specific thing, even if that is at a high level. And then as you are training that, you ensure that the other stuff doesn't completely drop by having the minimal maintenance dose of that and then uh, if you have successfully maintained all the other stuff uh, whenever you get back to tr training that specific element whatever that is uh, you can kind of continue pretty much where you left off so uh, within a year or year by year uh, with this kind of prioritization you can get a point where you can progress year by year consistently because uh, if you're trying to train everything at the same time uh, 
some of the things will progress but most often the case is that some of the adaptations are uh, too different so that the body doesn't kind of see them as the same thing and then it's kind of uh, pretty confused about what you're asking it to do and if there's so many different kinds of stimuli and none of them is high enough to actually progress in that, then you're kind of uh, just maintaining everything, but it's a huge effort. Because the stimulus for for a single attribute isn't high enough for that to grow if there are so many different things you're trying to do at once. So this kind of prioritization uh, just kind of encourages to have clear priorities and allow other stuff to be at the maintenance mode but also to say that the maintenance mode isn't to com completely neglect them uh, unless we're talking about some skills which you can completely neglect and they will still be there but you know <clears throat> i think we're gonna get there but uh so for me i think like the key point to understand about this is how much do you have to train and I think, and over the years, seeing various artists and athletes, the, um, the, the thought amount that I need to train to progress is way higher than, than would actually be needed. And if I would just reduce the training a bit, I could go heavier on this selected, the ones that I want to prioritize, where I need to grow to be healthier or be able to perform more in a week train more in a week so i think like the um, like this hmm. understanding the minimal dose and understanding that even to gain something gain the enhance your or improve your attributes physical attributes you don't have to train every day it's actually very not it's not wise to train every day yeah. and like you need rest like we're talking about training but there's also the the recovery yeah. side like you need you actually need to rest to grow to grow the attributes and and also another thing is that i feel like when we're when we're talking about performing arts i i can hear in my mind these these kind of like counter arguments like i'm not a track and field athlete so i don't have to like push my boundaries all the time say you do some kind of conceptualized art which requires not like your absolute peak performance, but then I even even just to keep your body healthy for this everyday job, no no matter really kind of like how light it is, one could assume that you using your body will need some attributes at least. So trying to say if you're like injured all the time due to the lack of strength, for example, then things should be addressed or you are yeah. under recovered yeah. due to the fact that you're not strong enough to to maintain the amount of training yeah. you're, yeah, yeah, you have yeah. to put because of or your company or exactly. because of the school yeah. or, mm -hmm. or yeah under recovered to the the uh, st strength requirement of your skill thing being too high so that you're always at, at max capacity Yep. But yeah, that was an important uh, clarification or emphasis on, on, th on the fact that uh, gains always come from how well the amount of work matches with whatever you're able to recover from. And 
the you can't just grow the amount of work indefinitely and if something happens with your ability to recover like you have a more stressed period or something it goes down then the amount of training that is you know actually relevant for for proper progress that will also change and you should kind of mm-hmm. match it but but yeah here's the uh, it's kind of the idea of you know can we go home where all the effective reps are done or should we do the endless cycle of one more one more then more 25 push-ups in the yeah. corner everyone yeah or i or you or like i understand this like maybe physical psychological need to nail the trick like it's so close that i will i will want to try it a few more times and a few more times and then you notice yeah. that the school ended two hours ago and you're still at the school yeah. <laughs> trying to nail the trick and i mean sometimes it's fun but depending yeah. like how manic you are about it like the cost of your health yeah or the cost of your recovery then then it's not or if it's it. promoted by the yeah. surroundings that yeah yeah, yeah good yeah. students are those that stay here and oh, good nail lord. The trick. oh good yeah. lord no. i i also see the uh, psychological fear of not doing enough or kind of yeah you know, the fear of yeah should i even be here do i deserve this should yeah. i you know do something more to kind of earn my place in whatever but but and that's kind of heartbreaking but uh, also i think that uh gathering what we actually know about training adaptations and just knowing i mean i don't need to guess what the amount of effective reps is i know it from the science and, and it's a it's a sliding scale but i i know the rough order of magnitude for different uh, for different periods and then i can just assign that and then i can relax but but if you ha- don't have that knowledge then that's you know kind of kind of scary mm-hmm. yeah but and but the knowledge exists and and if we take the whole culture to the direction where it's utilized more and where it's encouraged more then mm. it becomes easier and i, and I think how i hope and and like you like you were just like moments ago saying like that the training has to evolve as you evolve as yeah. your as your level as an artist rises <clears throat> your body will not be stimulated by the same training that got you like like when you start the circus school and you dance to start the dance school probably the amount of training changes and you can focus on training like that's what you're gonna do for the for the week and that probably has like it will increase your level but it will not it will plateau at some point because when your body catches up to it it will need bigger stimulus and it will need more specific like you said that yeah that the training evolves through your career and the way you train when you start when you are when you are going when you're starting your goal-oriented hardcore hobbyist slash pre-professional mm-hmm. early mm-hmm. professional mm-hmm. phase then it's it's a different game but when you are when you're 30 35 and you have 20 years of training your body is 
highly adapted to training no, no, and it's very specific stimulus but like yeah, so yeah i'm, I'm looking at the month now but the returns <laughs> diminish you you yeah. get the diminishing returns the higher your level is the more you need to focus on it to grow yeah so are we ready to move to the month like if i look at that training month so it would be a block yeah part of your block periodization yeah. so going to that uh Well, again, one small sentence about the year and then back to this. Uh, if you can decide uh, aspects of your year, I recommend that you have at least uh, like one easier month each year. Yeah. And then when we go to the monthly level, I recommend that you have like one easy week each month. Oh, and dear. then when we go to the weekly level, I... I recommend that you have one or two rest days per week where, well, I recommend two rest days per week generally, uh, but I see these, I see people who are so scared of doing them that, you know, I have adjusted it to one or two rest days, but it's yeah. two, it's two. But like, I... I, I see many many hands rising here. Um, people who who do a lot of dance, a lot of circus, a lot of pole dance, a lot of climbing, you name it. I cannot have a week off. I cannot have a lighter week. Have you ever heard of this? Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. You have. I have. I, well, what do you I think have. about But it? As a physio, they, those, <laughs> I see a lot of people with overuse injuries, and this is one of the things we have to discuss with every. I, I have to discuss with every one of them, like, or or we have a. I, I'm. I always have to get the general picture of how much you train, how intense your training is. Is this something new you're training, and do you have yeah. time to recover? Do, do you do you think I, either one of you at the Henry could explain why one light week or two rest days would be important? And I, I feel like j- just for the sake of clarity, it's important to underline that rest means like no training where you need to adapt to anything, right? Like yeah, if you just like if you just go like a little bit to the gym, it's not the rest day yeah, i think yeah if, like I think, if, if yeah you... i also i also <laughs> always get this yeah define rest what can i do during rest days can i can i does it mean hike? i have to lie can down can i do can i do light skill stuff what can i yeah, do yeah but, can i, can but I yeah, do stretching uh, why why it is important to stretch is that the way training to, to, works to, to rest to rest to, to rest yes. not to stretch <laughs> to rest yeah why it is important to rest is that uh, the uh, training session itself is a stimulus where you try to tell your body what you would like it to adapt to and what you'd like it to change and then in the subsequent rest that's when your body is working on what it thinks you asked from it and that's when most of this significant progress happens i mean the the changes that happen within the training session are so small and so transient and even though they might feel like uh, super significant you know huge leaps forward uh, it's the subsequent rest that solidifies them and makes them permanent so so that is 
that is so key. And different adaptations require different amounts of time because the process all the different processes related to training adaptation their time frames differ something comes faster something comes slower something requires longer accumulated effort in order to uh, develop mm-hmm. and it's like some transient neural changes are instant but it takes some days or weeks for them to become permanent yeah, yeah, yeah. and then some uh, muscle level changes come in in some days or weeks and then some uh, like connective tissue changes like the structure of the collagen that is something that takes like uh, weeks of accumulated consistent effort and it takes a while for the body to actually do the thing that you have asked from it so so do you think it would be fair to say that if you completely skip the rest periods then you totally sacrifice the development yeah 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 that is yeah it's a huge sacrifice and i see many people making it like like because of course there are people who progress There, there is this like, I don't, maybe a bit of a sidetrack, but there's like, I think the cult, training culture embraces this heroic, heroic efforts of an artist or an athlete who never rested, like, like every day, grind like, every day. If I would just like look at any headlines, like this artist trains so many repetitions, rests only three hours a night, it's and such a wake. weird narrative bias. Yeah, exactly, and and like. Yeah. It's, it's wow if I, we have one one super mutant who can do it for half a career for half after a, it ends yes before it ends yeah <laughs> yes before it, then yeah then it's not something we should glorify but like so i think i think all of us have this experience of like i just came back to the gym i after i was training something and then i nailed the trick first try <coughs> like wow what happened mm-hmm. and like i think this is like some like practical implications of the how the rest works a lot of it solidifies and you actually learned it by resting or then it feels like today it feels like oh now now i get it no of course it's like yeah there are like uh, underlying processes that that are happening and i guess mostly when you sleep but again like I, i i still want to say about this like no rest because like some kind of like genetic anomaly mentioned I, i don't think that's like ever never the case like h- how to put it in the real life so if someone says i don't need to rest so much i feel like saying this person has only adjusted to poor performance level and feels yeah. feels like this is their optimal level which yeah. it and, is not and exactly and this is why why i think that you plan rest days is so crucial because you will adjust you will adjust to the level you, your body is perfect at it it will it will think okay this is my normal state and if you do the rest week you will notice like wow okay i was super exhausted i had huge amounts of fatigue and now after that's gone i feel like a completely different I'm, i like get a new level up on my skills and strength everything mm-hmm, is lighter mm-hmm. yeah and this and is- Yeah, and this is what usually happens. 
And, then and also sometimes the first session back after a rest week will feel like weak and soggy and a bit tired and weird for some people, but that's like the first one or two sessions and it'll feel so much better after that. Yeah. And but yeah. And then like like from my point of view, it's also like that you're you take rest like as a preventive is it a prevent no Preventive rest, I, yeah. not reactive yeah. rest. Yeah. In that sense, that like, mm-hmm. oh, now I've now I now I have an overuse injury. Okay, I have to rest. No, if you take like rest days before anything happens, like proactive. Is yeah, proactive. proactive. Yeah, yeah, that's the word. Nice. Proactive. Do them before you would actually need them, and then a you, bit before. And there's also like the, uh, like our pre like discussions we've had before before about this sympathetic sympathetic parasympathetic sympathetic that nervous system part where you rest and the nervous system part you need to exercise and so on so if you never have the rest you were you're like also like masking maybe some like injuries or like you don't get this the sensation like okay i get this ache like but when you get give yourself your body gives, gets time to rest and like kind of like get a feel like how does it feel like you might be like you might have a better chance to like react early to some symptoms that are coming but if you just have to train never rest then like uh i was calling yesterday with a client uh and i what what they tell, told me like it's like well, now I took the rest you wanted. It's two weeks and I feel worse. I'm like, it's not the rest. It's like that you had a heavy and a very long training and performing period. And you did a residency right after it. So this is not optimal, but this is how you're, how to, this is, this is life. Yeah. And the rest is not doing you anything bad, but this is your body probably telling you this was long time like this was needed for a long time almost like the body getting the sensation of fatigue back like it goes back online and says like this is what you really should have felt during the previous weeks yeah like something like this like there's always like i i'm not i'm unsure about talking about pain in the podcast because i would i've talked differently to my client, then I would talk with my <laughs> colleagues about pain. Maybe they're not listening. So, yeah, <laughs> which of them are not li- yeah, they are. <laughs> listening? Right? <laughs> yeah, but but so so like that's a. Uh, I'm a huge fan of recovery. Like, yeah, my yeah. bias is recovery. It's, it it does miracles, and yeah, it sometimes yeah, yeah. make me feel like a fool as a physiotherapist. Like this was all you needed, and yeah. I didn't have to prescribe some specific exercise yeah, or but like people need encouragement to get the courage to rest definitely definitely and you can almost always promise some results like yeah if you rest and you feel worse this is probably what happened but if you usually when you rest and you feel better it's usually good like yeah, then, yeah, you, yeah, then you yeah. understand like yes this is a good thing for me but and, encouraging is important and and i feel like y- you like if there's a listener thinking like oh i will probably be in so much pain if i take a week off that doesn't mean that you shouldn't take the week off that means like 
like three times you have to take the week. You really have to take some time off. Okay. Sure. However, um, b- before we go to the week level, I guess, uh, <laughs> I, I would like to quickly talk about rest and these kind of like recovery practices because it, it's asked so many times, what is rest? I, I jokingly would like to say that should be like Netflix and chill and ice cream. And almost like a warning example is that if, if you're thinking like learning a light choreography on your rest day would be like rest. It's not like if you have to learn something, I don't think that really like fulfills the definition. I think like yeah. a good if, if you really need to do something, then it would be like a chill walk in the woods or something like that. And yeah. and physiotherapy wise, I I feel like I need to ask Atte, what do you think about like adding some recovery practices to put the blood flowing or something like maybe you have to run to recover a little more. I think yeah, well, Henry can go into more detail. I'm I'm not interested about endurance athletes in this context of the podcast. So so for for if I would think. With the very like like very common what in my clinic would be that I would be very hesitant on giving anything like like I would be have to be very sure of myself to think I can come up with an exercise that act that is actually better than not doing anything like <laughs> like like yeah, you can I do see. breathing work see, yeah. right yeah. it feel it it might help you calm down like like. Like I would mm. see like context where I would see a point is like that I have very hard time like bringing myself to like a calm state of mind like I'm that my mind is racing and it could be like that I have a lot of things I have deadlines I have to do stuff mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it would be very smart and there's a lot of practices for it like that there's yeah. there's not one single thing you have to do like do this ice bath and 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 then you have to do this and this and then you do this breath work and then you have to do this yoga inspired mobility exercises no it, yeah. if you take a rest day and you do z- zero mobility exercises you're not getting stiff if you're a professional athlete you're, yeah. moving, just, you're, you're just weak. saying you're yeah, just saying your, your practice is, is organized in a smart way yes yeah. you're you probably training a lot and moving yeah, a lot yeah. Yeah. so one day in a sofa it's not it's, going to it's, do it's, it zero it's only benefit there are a lot of good movies in netflix no but like henry you go on from this uh, where i'm trying to kind of like end up here is that i i feel like oftentimes there is this narrative where someone's like exhausted and tired and they think they should do a little bit more recovery practices to recover so like just saying this very clearly yeah. you cannot like recover by increasing the load <laughs> like the overall ro- load with recovery practices overall road i don't i, I can't speak english anymore yeah. guys <laughs> yeah help yeah i mean just before recording i said like this is finally the english is starting to feel like more i'm, I'm getting it back it's like for so many it's, years it's, there's it's, no it's, contact with the, uh, with the it's outer going world. well yeah, yeah, if 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 any of the listeners have doubted this, yeah, English is not our first language. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> newsflash here. Yeah. Probably, kind of clear. But but, <laughs> but but yeah, also 
also going back to the point about rest uh, I get asked so much to define or clearly outline what is rest and what isn't and uh, the the perspective I like about this are the you know different uh, sports psychologists or organizational psychologists have uh, different listings of all the different aspects of rest and there's usually like six or seven different categories of rest and to summarize all of them up is uh i would kind of just say that have some set of circumstances that don't ask you to adapt to anything Uh, but to go over the most common i think it's like seven six or seven categories of rest is that there's the physical rest so your body doesn't have to you know give out any kind of meaningful effort in anything or adapt to anything and then there's the mental aspect of rest so you don't need to mentally push yourself too much or cognitive challenges or whatever and then there's the spiritual one related to meaning so you get some kind of relief from the meaninglessness of you know capitalism um and then there's the emotional one so that you don't need to only hundred <laughs> if you get hundred wishes okay we'll, we'll elaborate <laughs> okay. for the episode no. in no okay. other circumstances so, <laughs> i'm trying to get out of my nihilism more into the absurdism yeah <laughs> fuck needs let's go with camus but anyway then there's the emotional one uh where you don't need to be where you need you, you don't need to suppress your emotions so much or you don't need to be for uh, other people and then there's the sensory one so that you're not completely you know overwhelmed with different kinds of stimuli and then there's the social one which means different things for different people but you also get the point and then there's the creative one uh, sometimes also part of the list i think this was like seven different categories so and these are, i think these are these are very good because yeah. understanding like this For some people, one of these is very like uh, fatiguing, yeah. and for some, this is actually what will give you more rest. And this is the social. Some people want the days off. I don't want to talk to anybody, and some people enjoy it. That okay, now I can meet my friends and so on. So, yeah. but like I, I think this yeah. understanding, it, like going through these categories and seeing like what would what is what of these categories is something that actually this is like this like makes me more fatigued and this is something that in my artist work is actually demanding for me and I need a break from this. Yeah, and, and, and obviously some of these are also like culturally valid in, in, in different ways. Like the social aspect in Brazil is probably very much different than social aspect in Finland where the yeah. narrative of the whole nation is that well i want to go alone to the woods <laughs> <laughs> the dream <laughs> <laughs> yeah and in in brazil you you would get some medication for your <laughs> troubles <laughs> yeah but also this kind of illustrates the point if if your practice kind of is demanding in like four of these categories then you know that uh, uh, when resting you should probably take it easy on all of those categories but whatever you're doing when resting can have elements of the other you know two or three categories or if your day job is super demanding like emotionally and mentally and socially then 
what would be a good rest from that and you know i kind of like this this kind of view that has several different aspects of rest i think there's usually five to seven of these and i think this seven part thing is quite good of course reality is complex and people's people are complicated yeah yeah. Whatever. Should we go to designing training weeks? Yes, and tra- single <laughs> sessions. What can and single like single general sessions. ideas? What what's a single session? How long and blah blah so so forth. But yeah. so for a week, like now we've established we're not talking about like uh, only ho- not hobbyists. Like if you would have to this there's a stake yeah. for your training and you would have to be better from year 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 to the next year, and so. How much do we train? We have two rest days. That was that's what we established. We have two rest yeah. days. They're not two rest uh, in days a row, a week. so we would take not them in a row. In a, they, they would be apart. Yeah, there's a hormonal benefit to not having them in a row or to have yeah. them kind of break up uh, periods of you know accumulated work. But yeah. yeah uh, <sighs> Given that we have done the monthly plan and we have this kind of main focus elements and side focuses and stuff like that, uh, uh, let's assume that the main focus is some kind of physical attributes, meaning that uh, if we are now designing the training weeks, a simplified version would be that uh, let's have two training sessions that focus on the kind of physical attribute part. So they can be you know, uh, strength sessions or combined strength and power or strength and mobility or or whatever the main focus is. And, and let's have two of those. That will, for most people, bring huge benefits. And if we, uh, we haven't trained this way before, let's start with two. So two of those and preferably if you can, let's put the rest days after these. If we are uh, building the kind of stre- strength base, yeah. Or if we are building a more of a power uh, or speed thing where you need to be fresh in order for that training to be effective, then put these after the rest days. But anyway, for the purpose of this, let's put them. Uh, let's put the rest days after these sessions. And yep. now we have like four days of the week kind of set in. And if possible, the next thing, let's put the most important uh, sport-specific or art-specific skill sessions uh, in the spots after the rest days. And then the one day... You can have just a hobby. train whatever you kind of feel like training or whatever you feel like is most important. Um, do do something nice. Yeah. Go wild. But no, yeah. But do uh, something nice. But also, uh, if it is uh, smartly planned and properly prioritized, and the elements chosen in the in the strength sessions or power sessions or whatever conditioning sessions they are. Uh, you don't need to add in uh, too much conditioning or strength work in any of your skill sessions. They can actually go skill first and 
and focus solely finish early. On, on that. Yeah, yeah. Go, yeah. Finish early. Go home. Yeah. But yeah. Like, no, because I, I can feel the eyebrows rising when you. This sounds like a very little amount of skill training, like compared mm. to what's the yeah. what's the what's the average I've seen. Skill training five times a week. Yeah. Do- double session days. Yeah. That would be something which, like I'm I'm more accustomed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, in my point of view that kind of thing would have its place for a somewhat short-ish while at the realization phase but even then it doesn't need to be that high but that is not the throughout the year amount that's like there can be brief periods of that and there are residencies for example which but yeah, yeah but you should probably accumulate the the kind of physical capacity that allows you to do that safely and yeah 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 and the, the skill skill training mentioned we we have another episode about skill acquisition only but i'm i'm just trying to add more to add this confusion here like if if you're thinking of skill training i I guess the basic point is that if you already know how to do something, then the repetition of it doesn't really do anything for the skill. So you don't really shouldn't need to do that. Yeah. And if, and, uh, and yeah. then that th- that would mean you would be trying new things, n- new like actually challenging things. Exactly. And then comes yeah. the question: How how long do you think? you can focus to actually challenging things. And I'm saying like 40 minutes, give or take. So even like these skill sessions, for them to be kind of like useful, they they wouldn't be like super long. I'm saying a good warm up where you actually get sweaty. And then maybe you have a 30, 40 minute session focused on something, maybe a break and maybe 30, 40 minutes about something else then and then what like what you could do for a longer period of time would be maybe like planning a choreography but I think that should be more like a like a planning exercise (laughs) or like a planning job not really like Mm. like a a skill session but that really depends like how well you manage to plan it Some sometimes so, sometimes it's not planned, yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. or, or or this kind of like, oh, oh man, what, what is hernza in English? The, this I was like thinking about this <laughs> in an earlier episode. Like, there's I don't yeah, this, kind, this of kind of unstructured, like, playful, un, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. This is like, in Finland we have this thing called hernza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's a good word like for non-Finnish listeners. I wonder if there are any. <laughs> it's, it's kind of like like playing unformal ice hockey but instead of a puck you have a tennis ball and you don't even necessarily have skates it's like like and you you have a you have a beanie hat and you're just running around and having fun in the in the framework of so-called ice hockey but like insert any discipline here fun fun tryout training yeah, this kind of playful, unstructured thing, but that also has some elements of training in yeah. it. I, I think I, my 
My brain instantly goes to stuff like the more traditional way the skateboarding yeah. skateboarding has been yeah, trained, good one. which is just good one. you know just hunt find a find a spot and just play around and they may be training something or maybe not or maybe challenging themselves or maybe not always and yeah 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 know. good one good yeah. one and about the planning sessions like I would follow like, the dopamine well whatever <laughs> for me the planning session would be like. I'm like seeing the places. Okay, this I, here I could do the combination where I have to do this like cartwheel without hands and then combine it with this. But I'm not gonna do it now. So I'm just like thinking through, moving in the space, like planning, light planning. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. like skill training. Then I would do this like cartwheel without hands and combining it with three more acrobatic elements. And I would do that for 30 minutes and then I would do the planning like the like. Mm-hmm. Like the planning session is something like I'm like poorly warmed up, mm-hmm. and I will try to do this trick that's like hard, and it's like mm-hmm. I, I don't know if this is I, I like just like like to maybe to clarify like the idea like that there is like very different intensities of planning. Of course, you have to go through the whole choreography, but it's yeah, yeah, like uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I think I understand where you're going with this. I I'm. I'm thinking of this kind of um, I don't know like a dance practice, you know, where you're learning a choreography for a performance that will be coming in three weeks, right? And I feel like in these cases you can make it in so many ways, and if you don't have to do it with full intensity, then maybe you shouldn't. Like, it's not like every rep counts always. Like even even like yeah. when you're trying to memorize a complicated choreography for the first time you don't really have to do it 100% every single time because it's a not useful b very very taxing like yeah mm, yeah okay but but so the the skill training it, it i think it should be like cognitively cognitively demanding Yeah. And and therefore you you can't make it like all day. And then I uh, I could discuss like in this skill acquisition episode. There's like there are a lot of artists who have many disciplines they train. So the I like the the idea we're promoting here is like you don't do your all of your discs. Let's say you have three disciplines. You do well. Let's say whatever they are. It doesn't really matter for the ex- uh, for the example. Like if you have three disciplines, it's not like you have to do for all of those disciplines. You would do this skill sessions. You would focus on some of them, and you would be happy if you just have this organized strength training, and you will be happy to know that your skills are not going to deteriorate. Like you will get them back very easily when you get when you take the discipline back on your focus and you would just like okay now I'm going to focus on this discipline I know and I will try to improve it and I'm not going to worry about too much about these other disciplines like because because what I see is like you have like example you have aerial handstand and then you have some kind of a like object manipulation juggling and your warm-up is going through all of these skills you do handstand you do juggling and then you do an aerial session and in every break you take from the silk you do a bit of juggling you do a bit of handstand so it's like this like a bit of a mess 
Like mm, yeah. there's a lot of skill work, of course, you're putting in the hours, but if you're just routinely going through handstand drills, you're you're very proficient in, or you do juggling, that's not at your level, or it's like something like I go go through a routine. I this is I perform this routine and I go through it in the breaks just to like keep it in my mind. So maybe what I'm what I'm trying to go at is like you could reduce the amount of this with actually no negative impact, but actually having more benefit from it so you can focus yeah. more. The the only thing that will suffer from that kind of break is maybe your confidence to do the thing if you are not used to these kind of breaks. But as you try them for like once or twice, you will probably see how quickly the confidence and the touch actually comes back if you have maintained all the physical prerequisites, which yep. is part of smartly planned strength and conditioning stuff. But going more deeply into the strength and conditioning sessions or the details of skill sessions, that would go into the smaller picture of training, which Maybe we'll do a more detailed episode on that later. But I think the big picture kind of... This is where periodization ends and programming starts. Yeah, and like uh, maybe like uh, to summarize it, like there's like you can have like hourly guidelines of how much to train. Like it varies throughout the year, throughout like a lot of things can vary it, but like going over... 25 hours a week is is very short 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 period kind of thing going less than 15 hours is fine and like there's like like if you're yeah, if you if also you, yeah also hours are a pretty strange so, measure yeah. because if you take like a strength session where a set of three reps is followed by five minute break and you yep. look you do like three times three of one exercise and it takes you like 30 minutes yep. so i think yeah but because I, I like discussing like i understand this like like just what we discussed like with the hours yeah. are like reps like you can't say if you do hundreds hundreds of reps is it a good thing but you can uh you have to like kind of like the quality of the of the reps is like is more 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 valid measure but like there's like the hourly and because i think like in the sports world where i also consult a bit is like that you have to grow into certain amount of hours like that you like grow you grow into an athlete and you increase the hours you train per week like we understand the hours are not the only measure we should use, but like it's something roughly twenty, twenty-ish hours mm. that that we, that the high school athletes are going for and trying to be mindful of not going too much, adding too much hours hours in a too short period. But like uh, maybe mm, I think Henry are sometimes talking about this stupid amount of training, so. Maybe what I'm like, maybe what I'm trying <laughs> yeah. going for is like, like yeah. if you see, if you look at your schedule and your training, 
from week to week over 20 hours and you've you've listened this far and all the things we've been discussing this and like you have a lot of skill training and very little strength training or the strength training is organized through in the skill training there's like a lot that yeah. programming and periodization could do to get even more out of your week yeah with, with actually less and less of hours less work yeah I don't think I mentioned the stupid amount here, but I, I say it quite often because we have this uh, minimal maintenance dose of training and then we have the amount that's actually progressive for that, whatever the attribute is. And somewhere in between those is the kind of dumb amount where you're doing more than it would take to maintain it, but not enough to properly progress in that and if you're training everything all at the same time, this is what you're at, where you're at with most of those things. And yeah, I think one good way to kind of, I don't know if we're wrapping this up now, but, but the kind of idea is that uh, if you are a professional and if the stakes are high in this, um, I think the idea is that you kind of should justify each of your training sessions. They should be, you know, if it is not better than recovery, you should probably skip it. And it's like the total load of everything should be in balance and that should be considered and and sh you should know that that the resting periods are when the most meaningful progress happens yeah and like we haven't touched about like there's like a lot to life that's also load in a sense yeah. <laughs> there's work and there's relationship stuff and all these kind of things we have to take in account when we plan and that's why planning like the like we are wrapping this up, but like, like the mention of like planning flexibility in your program. So you're not thinking how much in a week can I train at max, but you're tra yeah. thinking how much do I need to train to make gains? And then I don't train anymore because there will be weeks when you can barely make that. There will be weeks when that's there's like excess of free time yeah. with that amount. So, so this is like, I think going for the least effective dose is always the goal when we are discussing artists yeah. and athletes. Or if you're trying to find the optimally ef uh, optimal effective dose, you should probably start by minimal effective dose and then go up instead of going to the maximal recoverable volume that you might have some problems with and then going down from that. So it's better to work up from the minimal effective towards the optimal. But you don't really need to chase the optimal if you're not competing in something that maximizes these things. Exactly. Perfect. So thank you so much for listening and send us questions. If this is something that there's a lot to take in in the episode and we are happy to back this up with some ideas and even in elaborate anything we said in this episode so get in touch with us through the email through our website 
through Instagram, whichever suits you. Yeah, wherever you find us. Exactly. And see you in the next episode. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. This was the Performance Podcast. If you want to get in touch with us or check our upcoming seminars, you can find all the details in the episode's description. Thank you.